Welcome to the Heart Matters Podcast with your host, Ibn Leon. Join us as we explore the intricacies of spirituality and self-improvement. Gain a fresh perspective on enhancing your spiritual, emotional, and mental well-being through the fusion of spirituality and self-improvement. Enjoy Ibn's engaging conversations with guests from diverse backgrounds. They share unique perspectives on personal growth and holistic health. From spiritual leaders to relationship experts, entrepreneurs to creatives, each episode delivers knowledge and inspiration. Tune in to the Heart Matters podcast for profound conversations and practical advice empowering you to live your best life. Chapter 5 Inspiring Stories Okay, everybody. So let me ask all of you a question that I asked myself back in 2017. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get my podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record my episode? How do I get my show on all the apps that people like to listen to? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. So, if you've always wanted to start your own podcast and have people listen to your voice, go to anchor.fm slash start. Again, anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. Again, that's Anchor. Dot .fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Hello, everyone. I hope that everyone is coping with this social distancing during this pandemic. And hopefully we will be able to get back to our normal lives soon. For anyone who has never listened to the podcast, this is your host, Lewis Morris, life coach and founder of lewismorriscoaching.com. And this is The Heart Matters. I was supposed to be interviewing uh, mindset coach Carla Reeves today, but there was a error in scheduling, so we have to reschedule that. That will be on Thursday, May the 7th. We will have our chat. But that gives me an opportunity to inform my friends and my listeners that we lost 
a friend of ours on Sunday. He passed away on Sunday and his name is Burgie. We won't mention the last name just out of respect for his family members and such. His name is Burgie and he worked at the restaurant Kimono, Kimono Ken that I worked at. And I only worked there for two years. I worked there for two years. He was one of the people that trained me when I first got there. Always polite, gave me great tips. One of the uh, great tips that he gave me is where like, because when, you, when you're serving in a restaurant, you you have like a pad that you write the orders on and you wear an apron and you put the pad in the book into the apron. He, he told me that one of the first things that he told me is that you should put the pad into one of the, the folders that you give the people their check on, put the pad inside of that. He said, because it looks better. He said, it looks more professional. And he was uh, meticulous in his job. He loved his work. And he loved the people that he worked with. And then he, he took, I said, well, I asked him, I said, well, where do you put your money? You know, I said, because a lot of people, they put the money into the book that they have the, the pad inside. You know, he said, no, you know, I don't do that. He said, you know, he said, not saying that anybody here would take the pad or take any money out of the pad. He said, we, we have a good crew here. This was, you know, he said, we got to have a good and honest crew here. So nobody would do that. He said, but I've worked in places before where there were people who would do it. So he said, just put your money in your right back pocket. Put your money in your right back pocket. So those were two of the first things that he told me. He was very polite and, you know, affable in the way that he taught me. And I really appreciated that. Another thing that I want to mention about Burgie, and I want us to understand that everyone, some of us won't admit it, but all of us have demons, for lack of a better term, things that we struggle with, things that we can't seem to shake. So, and I'm a person who likes to be around people who are trying to get better, who are trying to improve. So one of the things that I started to notice about Burgie in the past year is that he was trying to get better. And we had some conversations that I won't uh, reveal everything that was talked about in the conversations, but one of the conversations that we had was he said that he was starting to feel like he was in a bit of a a rut and that he wanted to have something other than his work to look forward to. 
he started feeling limited in what he was doing on a daily basis. So my advice, you know, my advice was, I said, you have to find something that you enjoy to do when you're not at work. So when I mentioned that to him, shortly thereafter, shortly after that, he started working out. He started going to the gym and he started exercising on, on a daily basis. And he was trying to get better. He was trying to improve as a human being. And that attracted me more to him and made me like him even more. So I just started inviting him to everything. You know, I invite him to go rock climbing with me. I invite him to go bowling with me. I invited him to, you know, just come over to the house and, you know, have dinner with me and, and drink some fake wine because, you know, I don't drink, you know, so I order like the fake wine and drink it. So I invited him to everything, you know, and he was just working so much, you know, because he was such a great worker that, you know, they wanted him at the restaurant a lot because he, he's, he was just so great at his job. So I'm saying all that to just mention some lessons that I've learned from this tragedy. Um, the first thing that, that I'll say in regard to it is that I was totally shocked. I had just spoken to him a couple of days prior and we had talked about going bowling once the COVID-19 pandemic was over and everything was good. We were talking about going bowling, you know, going to the bowling alley and uh, just hanging out. And he seemed great. He seemed in very, very good mood, you know, very upbeat. And this is what, this is one of the things that shocked me about the passing of Burgie. He, he just seemed, before the restaurant, uh, we had to shut down the restaurant except for to goes. He seemed like he was in a really good place. He mentioned that he wanted that he wanted to do some traveling and things of that sort. And I was really happy for him, you know, because as I mentioned, you know, at this point, after you you're around the person for a year, you know, and you observed them and you watched them, and one of the things that was was great about Burgie is that he was not confrontational. He did not like that. He, he he would walk away from confrontation, you know, and I appreciated that, you know, and I liked that about him because sometimes that, that was the opposite of who I was. Sometimes that was the opposite of who I was. It wasn't always the case. Sometimes I could do it, but sometimes I would succumb to the weakness that I have to argue and to confront confrontation. He was the opposite of that. So that was another thing that drew me to him, you know, because I said, well, you know, maybe he could he could help me with that. You know, and I'm always looking for people to help me improve, you know, in the in the places that I'm weak. And I noticed that about him that he was not he was not big on confrontation. He was not a person 
who like confrontation. He will he will run away from confrontation. So, and my point is is that when I before the restaurant we had to shut down, I noticed that he seemed like he was in a a really good space. You know, like he was in a really good space and I appreciated that and I liked that, you know, and during the social distancing thing, he would always text me like he would text me like every weekend, you know, he would text me every Saturday and, you know, just ask me how I was and so forth and so on, you know, how you doing, everything, you all right, you need anything like that. He would do it all the time. And like the second Saturday after we, you know, had to do the social distancing thing, he invited me to go hiking, to go on a hike. And he had to do some work around the house for his mother. And, you know, they were moving some things and painting and stuff like that. So I mentioned to him, I said, well, you know, I, I wanted to go on the hike. I actually wanted to go. And I mentioned to him, I said, well, I have to be back by six o'clock because I had a, a, a meeting online with someone, you know. So he said, OK, I'm going to try to be there by two, you know, and, but I don't know if that's going to be possible because my mother has me doing some things. So then he texted me at about two thirty, said, is, is, we're not going to I'm not going to be to make it because my mom has me working and so forth and so on. But the following week, I got to see him. He, he drove over. You know, he just got back his license. He was totally stoked about that. And he had drove over. He, you know, he hadn't gotten his unemployment checks yet. They hadn't started coming in yet. So he mentioned that he needs some money to, you know, get oil change in his car and things of that sort. So I mentioned that I had something for him. And I said, well, you have to, you know, come pick it up. You know, you, you know, you have to be about a certain time because I had another meeting online that day. And he came and, you know, you know, he had his car. Car was looking clean and immaculate, looked great. And, you know, he looked good. He looked fit. And, you know, he thanked me for the money. And we talked for a minute. You know, we talked for a minute. He said, look, you know. I'm going to go get my oil changed. I really appreciate this. I'm going to give it back to you. And then, of course, I told him that he didn't have to. And uh, and then he, you know, he drove off. So we had developed a, a, a sort of closeness during the maybe the last year and a half. We had gotten closer and started talk about started to talk about more things. Uh, more private matters, you know, personal matters that he was dealing with and that I was dealing with. And uh, I enjoyed those conversations. I'm going to miss those conversations. And I'm just going to miss him generally, you know, just miss just knowing that I won't be able to go to the restaurant and see him, you know, is uh, it was it was pretty difficult for me. So what I want to do and we're not going to be on too long. What I'm going to do is just mention some lessons that I'm taking from Burgie's passing and that people in general should take from the passing of loved ones and friends.
And the first lesson that we should take is that life is really short. Bergie was in his 30s, maybe 31, somewhere around there. John, life is short. We don't know how long we have. So we should try to live. We should try to live and enjoy other people's company and the like. That's the first lesson. The second is because, again, you know, I don't want to mention any circumstances. Specifically. Surrounding the passing of, of Bergie, I will mention something in general. For the next lesson, the next lesson that I learned from this uh, from this tragedy, but I won't mention any specific events surrounding his passing. But the second lesson that I want to mention is that we should be very careful how we treat people. We should be very careful how we deal with others because we don't know if we're ever going to see him again. We don't, we don't know. You know what I'm saying? So, and if Unless we're just like cold-hearted human beings, you know, who just, you know, just have, you know, this darkness-filled heart. If we treat an individual badly during our last encounter with them and they pass away, it's going to haunt us for the rest of our lives. It is going to haunt us for the rest of our lives, unless we're just like, you know, just cold individuals who just don't care, you know. But if we have some type of compassion and mercy in our heart, if that happens, if that happens, then that is going to bother us for the rest of the time that we're on the planet. So we should be careful how we deal with others and treat others and communicate with others. And when we do make mistakes, because we will, we're human beings, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to say things that we regret. We're going to uh, do, do things that are not good because we have frailties. We're human beings. We should rush to apologize. We should rush to do that. We should not like, you know, once we ascertain that we said or did something that was inappropriate, we should try immediately to get in touch with that individual and make amends. We should try to do that because we don't want to leave the planet and we don't want the individual to leave the planet without fixing that or without at least trying to put a bandaid on that particular issue that caused uh, the rift. And the last thing that I'll mention is the issue of substance abuse. When people, and I know about this, this is not something that I'm speaking about from a textual point of view. No, I know it 
from experience. People who struggle with substance abuse, they need real support. What I mean by that is that they need the support of people who will pull them in the opposite direction. They need the support of people who will pull them in the opposite direction. Let me go on a little bit. Let me be more clear about that. Let's say an individual has a drinking problem. Individual has a problem with alcohol. For like, for, to be clear, this individual is an alcoholic. So when this individual starts to feel a certain level of weakness and wants to take a drink, right? But the only person that this individual feels comfortable reaching out to is someone who doesn't drink, but someone who uses some other substance, whatever that substance might be. And when the individual talks to that individual and meets with that individual, that individual offers the alcoholic the other substance. That's not support. That's not support. No. Individual who is struggling with any type of substance abuse needs the support of someone or some people that will pull them totally in the opposite direction, that will encourage them to go totally in the op opposite direction. What I mean by that, that will that will encourage them to not indulge in any substance that might lead them to the substance that they're having a problem with. They need that. They need that. I needed it. I remember when I was using drugs and I was trying to stop using drugs. I was trying to stop. So an individual came to me and he offered me some drugs. Matter of fact, he offered me my favorite drug. He offered me my favorite drug because he saw I was trying to leave drugs. He offered me my favorite drug. But fortunately for me, I had support. I had people that I was walking with and talking with who didn't use drugs. So I was able to resist because I, after I did that, I went and walked and talked with an individual who was calling me to the opposite of what the individual was offering, which was soberness, which was not using any uh, illegal or legal substance, which alcohol is legal in this country, he was calling me to other than that. This is what I'm talking about. 
This is what the individual who has a substance abuse problem needs. They need the support. They need an individual and or individuals who are who are encouraging them and pulling them in the opposite direction, totally in the opposite direction, not partially in the opposite direction. Also, they need someone that when things get tough and they start to struggle with issues, whether the issues be internally or externally, they need people of positivity. They need people of positivity. Not people of pessimism. That could be discouraging. That could cause the individual to go backwards. Because negativity begets negativity. No. If an individual calls or texts and this individual has a problem with substance abuse and this individual is complaining about something internal or external or another person, the other person that they're texting or that they're calling, they should say, wait, it's not that bad. Let's meet up. Let me talk to you. Don't Start talking negatively about anything or anyone. Don't do that. Mind you, I'm not speaking just from from a, a, a supposition. No, speaking from experience. I've been through this stuff. I've been through this stuff. I've seen both sides. You go to some people, you're struggling with some stuff, you want to get high again, you say, man, so-and-so did so-and-so to me, and then the individual that you're talking to, he starts talking negatively about so-and-so. That's not a help. That's not assistance. It's not. No matter how much an individual may think that it's good, it's not. It's not good. Again, you need to go, you need to have the, the person who's struggling with substance abuse needs to have a person. That's why in AA they have sponsors. They have an individual who sponsors you and the individual, the, the leader of the AA group picks sponsors for the rest of the group. The group doesn't do that. No, the, the leader of the AA groups, the leaders of the group pick sponsors for each individual. Why do you think that is? Because the sponsors are handpicked because they know that they are people who've been through the fire. They've seen both sides of this thing. And when the when the people who need the help comes to them. They're going to talk to them about the opposite of what the person who needs the sponsorship is talking about. That's what they're going to do. 
So when the individual who is thinking about taking a drink comes to the sponsor and starts talking about, well, this person did this to me and that person did that to me. He's not going to start talking about the person. Even if he knows that person, he's not going to do that. He's going to start talking about the solution. That's it. That's all. He Because he knows because he's been through it already or she's been through it already. He knows that any negativity, if he starts to, if he or she starts to pile on the negativity, the negative vibes that this individual is already feeling, it may drive him over the edge. It may cause them to relapse. So they're going to pull them in the opposite direction. They're not going to pile on top of that. They're not going to do that. Because that doesn't help. This is the last point that I want to make about this. This is important. It's vital. Because many of us know people who struggle with substance abuse, who struggle with alcoholism. And we don't understand these finer points when it comes to these matters. You cannot do that. You can't do that. If an individual who's struggling with something of substance abuse in the light comes to you and starts talking to you negatively about an individual, about a circumstance, you do not reciprocate. You do not reciprocate. You start talking about positive things. That's what you do. And you try to get the individual to come meet with you and come talk with you. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and even if you can, even if you can just get the individual to FaceTime with you. No, try to see the individual so you can talk face to face and talk positively. Abandon the texting. Leave that. Texting is a means for an individual who has substance abuse problems to hide. That's not what you want. You want clarity and focus. So when the individual starts to do that, you say, listen, FaceTime me. Send me a Zoom link, whatever the situation. But you want to see the individual and you want the individual to see you. Meet me here. Meet me at such and such. Meet me at my apartment. Let me come over and see you like that. I'm going to miss Bergie. It's been a rough few days. His family, um, I mentioned to one of my friends who works at the restaurant, his family put up some pictures last night and it was tough. It was tough. But there are lessons to be taken. From this incident and from death in general. And I hope that we learn them. I want to just give a brief program note before I end. On Sunday, I will be interviewing Coach Russ Simple. He's a psychology uh, 
professor. We'll be I'll be talking to him on Sunday. And thankfully, the month of fasting begins tomorrow. Today is the 30th of the eighth month of the lunar calendar, which is called Shaban. So tomorrow is the first day of the month of fasting. It is an opportunity for me to get myself better, to improve on some things, to gain a nearness to my creator. I'm looking forward to it. I hope that everyone is doing well. I hope. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Heart Matters podcast for relationship, spiritual coaching and resources. Go to the Heart Matters brand link tree, which is linktr.ee slash L-O-U-I-S-M-O-R-R-I-S. That's linktr.ee slash L-O-U-I-S-M-O-R-R-I-S. And we will see you again soon.